Good. Good. Well, good morning, everybody. It is really good to see good to see you. I wasn't just saying that before. It's actually really great to have you here that we can gather together in the name of Jesus and, and worship Him and fellowship together. It's all fantastic. This morning I get a chance to share some thoughts with you, uh, and I think I need to give you a warning that probably some of the weirder thoughts that I've shared, and some of you are going, that's impossible. Um, but that's all right. I just want to share what's on my heart and what I've been thinking about. And to be honest, it kind of started with my phone, um, which is kind of weird, I guess. But the other day I was out and about driving, uh, and I remembered that I needed to message somebody. And in this great day and age that we live in, right, the, the fact that you're driving doesn't actually mean that you can't send a message to someone on your phone anymore because of incredible technology that we've got, right? The, the convenience of voice activation and, and all that sort of stuff that your phone can do now. So, so my phone was just sitting somewhere in, on the seat near me, I guess, and rather than needing to pull over to the side of the road and grab it and send a message uh, using my thumb, um, I just decided to use Siri, which is the voice activation feature on my phone. Now, I, I actually use Siri quite a lot, and I had to turn off my phone because otherwise she would keep talking to me right now as I keep saying her name. Um, but I, I use Siri quite a lot, and, and it's really handy. It's just really convenient. You know, hey, Siri, remind me to put the bins out when I get home. Like, I use that one quite a bit. And when I drive up the driveway, put the bins out. It comes from my phone. It's, oh, that's right. I need to do that. Hey, Siri, call Joanna Bennett's mobile on speaker. And sure enough, there's the phone call starts, and I, I get to call my wife to tell her that I'm on my way or whatever it is. Or, hey, Siri, play me some music. And so Siri just opens up music and just starts playing a random selection of music. It's really handy. I don't have to kind of sort anything out myself. Or if I'm really bored, hey, Siri, tell me a joke. And Siri will tell me jokes. Some of them are actually quite good. Why is Yoda afraid of seven? Because six, seven, eight. That's quite a good joke. I thought that wasn't, that wasn't bad for an automated phone joke, actually. Or um, the bartender says, we don't serve time travelers here. A time traveler walks into a bar. Think about that one. Just let that one sink in for a little bit. It's quite good. I thought that's quite good. So it's really convenient that I can just do all of these things with my phone, but I just sort of ask for them. And they happen, actually. just occurred to me how much more convenient my phone is than my children. But that's all right. <laughs> Sorry to my children who are in the room, yeah. But this particular day, the convenience factor was just not working out for me. It went something like this. Hey, Siri. Nothing. This is when I'm driving along in the car. Hey, Siri. Beep. It activated. Uh, message Jeremy Greenwood Mobile. Jeremy, if you're here, I won't reveal any private information, I promise. <laughs> and then it just, it just nothing. It didn't, it didn't get my message. Okay, I'll try again, third time. Hey, Siri, beep, beep. Message Jeremy Greenwood Mobile. What would you like to say? Hey, Jeremy, exclamation mark. Would you be available for a quick phone call a little later on? Question mark. Your message to Jeremy Greenwood says, Hey, Jeremy, exclaimed Mark. Would you be able to quick call a little later on? Would you like to send it? Cancel. This is four, three tries already. Okay, fourth time. Hey, Siri, message Jeremy Greenwood Mobile. What would you like to say? Hey, Jeremy, exclamation mark. 
Would you be available for a quick phone call a little later on? Question mark. Your message to Jeremy Greenwood says, Hey, Jeremy Kinch, Nation's Mark. Would you be available for a quick phone later on? Would you like to send it? No. Hey, Siri. Message Jeremy Greenwood mobile. What would you like to say? Hey, Jeremy, exclamation mark. Would you be available for a quick phone call a little later on? Your message to Jeremy Greenwood says, Hey, Jeremy, it's Nation's Mark. Would you be available for a quick foam a little later on? Foam! I'm not offering a foam. I want to... Would you like to send it? Cancel! Hey, Siri, beep, beep, you're useless. That doesn't sound good. No. Hey, Siri, beep, beep, message Jeremy Greenwood mobile. What would you like to say? Hey, Jeremy, full stop. Would you be available for a quick phone call later on? Question mark. Your message to Jeremy Greenwood says, Hey, Jeremy, would you be available for a quick phone call later? Ron. <laughs> would you like to send it? Yes, just send it. Send it then. All right, I'll send it. Thanks, Siri. So much for convenience. In fact, it was pretty inconvenient. By the time I had done that, and honestly, I did not give you the full rundown. I tried 10 or 12 times to get it to work, and it was very inconvenient. I wish I had just pulled over and used thumb activation instead. And by the time it had failed for about the 12th time, and by the time I'd stopped abusing Siri and telling her how, she, how useless she was at her job, I was just left thinking, well, that's inconvenient. Should have been convenient, but it was inconvenient. Because there's so much about our lives now that, that are the way they are, or the things, it, it is the way it is because someone has designed it for our convenience, or at least there's been an attempt for that. You think about nearly every change in the way we do shopping in, in recent years has been all about the consumer's convenience, or all about the convenience of being able to spend your money, perhaps is a more accurate description. And whether it's retail or food or travel or entertainment, People are continually trying to come up with new ways for the shopping experience to be more convenient. You can think about pizza. You know, pizza companies are trying to make their delivery system more convenient for customers all the time. You can you order through an app. You can specify the time. You can find out exactly what part of the cooking process your pizza is at. Is it being prepared? Is it in the oven? Is it in the, in the box? You can track the GPS of your delivery driver so you know how far away they are or if they're accidentally delivering it to the neighbor's house. You can sort that out really quick. And pizza companies are now experimenting with drones, delivering by drone so that you can just get it dropped to you from a drone. And companies like Netflix and other video streaming services have asked the question, why should anyone have to watch something at a specific time? Why can't we watch what we want when we want it? That would be more convenient. In fact, I think it's the retailer's aim that we should be able to do everything in life from a lazy boy. I think that's what they're after. You know, if I've, if I've got decent Wi-Fi, and if I've got my phone, if I've got my remotes, and let's be honest, the phone's going to replace all your remotes soon anyway, so you're not going to need those very long. Now, if I've got my Coke Zero, no drinking, no food or drink in the auditorium, please. I'm just going to, just don't look. So if I've got those things, then I can actually achieve 
quite a lot of things at my convenience. I could preach from here, eh? This is all right. You know, online shopping is so much more convenient. I can search for clothes or toys or electronics or white wear or movies or music at my leisure from my armchair. And then helpful websites, right, like Wish or Amazon or Trade Me, start telling me what I might be interested in buying. Hey, David, we found these products you might like. Why, thank you, Wish. That's very convenient and also a little concerning. Now I don't even have to figure out what products I want to shop for. They've already figured it out for me. Brilliant. Although I do wish whatever tracking technology they used when I was searching for garden sheds could figure out that I bought one 18 months ago. That would be really helpful. I don't need more garden shed ads anymore. I'm not buying another one. But it's still way better than like door-to-door salesmen, right, or or phone marketing. Because I'm pretty sure that if I didn't come to your shop or ring you or visit your website, probably can guarantee I don't want to buy whatever it is that you're trying to sell me right now. Especially because I can go back to my armchair and grab my phone and find whatever it is I'm looking for and probably for cheaper than whatever the guy at the door is trying to sell it for. I'm going to stand up. Is that going to flick back? Here we go. We live in a world that seems to be obsessed with making things more convenient, especially in the realms of retail and entertainment. But over the last three weeks, we've heard a series of messages from our lead pastor, Carl Crocker, and our founding pastor, Paul Bennett. And Carl's messages have been centered around a passage of scripture he felt God has laid on his heart for Life Church in 2019. It's Proverbs 3, verses 3 to 6. We're going to have a read of those again. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And Paul's message, or my dad's message, was centered around a passage of scripture from Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And there have been three fantastic messages. If you weren't here, you can watch or listen to all of them via the app or YouTube or podcasts. And if you were here, you can do the same thing, of course. But throughout the three messages, if I'm being really honest with you in my pathetic sort of selfish nature, there was one thought that kept on popping up in my head. Well, that's inconvenient. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Or Carl expressed it this way. Let your consistent, uncompromising love keep showing up in people's lives day after day. Well, that's inconvenient, Carl. I mean, it would be much more convenient if I could show my consistent, uncompromising love to people inconsistently. Or perhaps instead of day after day, I could show it on the weekends or every second Tuesday. That would be a more convenient way for me to be able to show love to my neighbors. Actually, one of my kids has been doing a 
a good neighbor project for school, which is really cool. And they have to think about a whole bunch of different positive things that they could do for their neighbors. And then they go through a process of selecting one of them to actually carry out. And I was, I was looking at their work the other day, and one of the ideas that they came up with was doing some baking for the neighbors. And they had to make a list of pros and cons. And under pros, it said, there might be some leftovers for me. Right. Yeah, because that would be convenient, wouldn't it? I'm doing something for them, but actually it kind of works out okay for me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Well, that's inconvenient because I've already got my own understanding. It's something I have already. It's something within my grasp. But trusting in God means relying on something I don't yet have or on God doing something I can't yet see or believing that God will provide something when I don't know where it will come from. Even worse, trusting in God means taking action sometimes or stepping out in faith or having to do something when I don't know what the outcomes will be. Well, that's a little inconvenient. See, I'd, I'd kind of rather trust God from over here. I, I trust you, God. I believe that you'll make a way. I believe that you'll provide the breakthrough. I'm just sitting in my armchair, sipping my Coke Zero, trusting Jesus from here. I don't think it works that way. Because if I already have the understanding, if I already have the ability, if I already have the finance, if I already have the resource, if I already know the outcomes, then that would be just a lot more convenient, actually. But there's not a lot of trust involved. There's not a lot of faith required. The verse that Carl Sheard carries on, it says, In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Oh, That's inconvenient. What if God could just give me the straight paths and then I wouldn't even need to trust him? What about last week? Dad preached a great message. You reap what you sow. If you sow wheat, then you will reap wheat. If you plant beans, then you will reap beans. But also if you sow generosity, you'll reap prosperity. If you sow refreshing, you will reap refreshing. Well, that's inconvenient. I get that you will reap what you sow. I understand that you can't expect to reap beans if you sow wheat, but you know, I, I understand that. But my, my problem is, like, it's actually really inconvenient to sow anything from here. Like, I guess if there was some soil just there, I could probably sow something. But unless maybe, maybe there's an app, maybe Siri can help me out with some sowing and reaping. I'm not sure. It's hard to sow generosity if my main concern is my convenience and comfort, isn't it? It's hard to sow compassion if all I'm doing is sitting in my armchair feeling sorry for myself because nobody shows me any compassion. It's hard to sow encouragement if all I'm doing is waiting for someone to encourage me first. But that would be a lot more convenient Why can't the principle of God be that you sow what you've already been freely given? That would be more convenient. But no, it's you reap what you sow. You need encouragement? Then sow encouragement. You need compassion? Then sow compassion. You need refreshing? 
Or maybe you just need to lie back in your lazy boy and then you'll feel refreshing. No, if you need refreshing, you have to sow refreshing. It's, it's just that it's a little inconvenient, actually. So often God asks us to step out first, to do what we can do so that he can do what only he can do. So many of the miracles described in the Bible required a step of faith or obedience first before the miracles happened. When the disciples were out in the boats fishing but not catching anything, Jesus told them to cast out their nets on the other side of the boat. And they did. And they caught hundreds of fish. But, but couldn't, simply, couldn't Jesus have simply just told the fish to just jump into the boat? Like, wouldn't that have been more convenient? I mean, what if the disciples had refused to cast out their nets? What if they just sat in their lazy boy? Would the miracle have happened? But Jesus is saying, you do your part. You do the bit you can do. You can cast out your nets. I'll take care of the part that you can't do, that only I can do. And so they acted out of obedience, not convenience, and they had the miraculous catch of fish. Or what about when there were crowds of people listening to Jesus and they started to get hungry? We're going to read the passage in Luke 9. It says, Late in the afternoon, the twelve came to him and said, Send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside and find food and lodging, because we are in a remote place here. He replied, You give them something to eat. They answered, We only have five loaves of bread and two fish, and unless we go and buy food for all this crowd... About 5,000 men were there. But he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Broken pieces. Let's not do that. You give them something to eat. Come on, disciples, you, you give them something. And they answered, well, we, we've, got, we've got something. Like, we've got five loaves and two fish, but Jesus, that's not going to be enough for this whole crowd. But we've got something. And then Jesus tells them to organize the crowd into small groups of about 50. So 5,000 men, groups of about 50, so it's 100 groups, Right? And we're assuming that there were women and children there too. So we could be talking about maybe 10,000 people. We're not really sure, but that would be 200 groups of 50. Brilliant. But do you think any of the disciples might have been tempted to think, Jesus, you realize that you can organize this crowd into as many small groups as you want, but it won't change how many people there are, right? Like if I order a large pizza but cut it into 16 pieces instead of eight, I won't feel more full at the end of my 16 pieces than I would. Like, so you can't, reorganizing the total number doesn't change the total number, Jesus. What, how's this going to work? What's the point? Will it change how much food we've got? Like, what's the point of organizing people into groups of 50 and running around and trying to get all these? I mean, 12 guys organizing 10,000 people to sit in groups of 50. What a pain. I think... I think, Jesus, I'll let the other 11 do that. And, like, I'll just let you take care of the miracle from over here. Because, you know, I can just sip my Coke Zero, and you can miraculously provide, and 
I don't think that organizing people into groups of 50s is going to make any difference, Jesus. I think you sort it out. You do the miracle. My bit doesn't matter. But, but Jesus was asking the disciples to do what they could so that he could do what only he could. And they said, here's something. And they organized the group, people into small groups. They acted out of obedience, not convenience. And thousands of people were fed until they were satisfied. Another story we read in John 9 of a time when Jesus came across a man blind from birth. And in verse 6 and 7 we read, After saying this, he just said some stuff, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. But Jesus, why can't you just touch my eyes like you did with the other guy? Why can't I just stay here on my beggar's mat where I'm comfortable, where I'm safe? Why can't I just keep on begging? And if you want to do a miracle, please, by all means, you go ahead. But why put mud on my face and then tell me to go wash it off? How would washing mud off my face make any difference to whether I will remain blind as I have been my whole life? That's just inconvenient. But this blind man acted out of obedience, not convenience, and the miracle happened and he was able to see again once the mud was washed off his eyes. You know, it wasn't just miracles or healings that Jesus performed or, or operated in this way. It was the way he brought life change to people as well. In Luke 19, we read the story of Zacchaeus, the wealthy tax collector who was so short that he had to climb a tree in order to see Jesus through the crowds. And when Jesus reached him, he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I don't know if you've ever had somebody come to you that you've never met and say, hey, I'm coming right now. Stop what you're doing. I'm coming to your house today. You have to look after me. You have to feed me. I'm not sure what your reaction would be, but I don't think it would be, oh, that's awfully convenient. I actually had an extra place set at the table hoping that somebody would demand to come to my house right now. No, it was very inconvenient. But Zacchaeus could have said, no, Jesus, actually, I'm, I'm staying in my tree. I've got my phone, I've got my remote, and I've got my Coke Zero just here. I don't need to come down. I don't need to be made a fool of in front of everybody else. But he came down immediately. And his life was completely turned around that day. In Matthew 4, we read about Jesus calling his first disciples. Just a couple of verses to read here. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. At once. And that decision to abandon what they were doing in order to follow Jesus completely changed the entire trajectory of their lives. But we get to contrast that with an encounter Jesus had with another young man a little bit later on. Matthew chapter 19. Just then, a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, 
keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the man, the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Sell everything I have and come follow you? Well, Jesus, that's inconvenient. I, I don't think I can do that, Jesus. That's too hard. I, I like what I have. I can trust what I have. I can lean on the wealth that I already have. It's far more convenient to stay in the place I already am than to give it all up and follow and trust you, Jesus. And this young man was offered the same opportunity that the disciples were. And he missed out on the chance to have his life completely transformed because of this one choice. But why does it have to be this way? Why does it have to be that way around? Simple truth is God is more interested in your character than your comfort. He's more interested in who you are than what you're doing. And when I look over my life, it's, it's pretty clear that the times when I've most clearly sensed God with me and at work in me have been the times when I've had to make the most inconvenient choices. When I felt like God was calling me to give up teaching and, uh, and come into the full-time church position about six and a half years ago, you know what? It actually wasn't convenient because I had to wrestle with the loss of financial security and, and even job security. I had to wrestle with the loss of identity. I was a trained teacher. I knew how to teach. I was experienced at teaching. I had qualifications that told other people that I was a teacher. I was comfortable teaching. It was what I knew. It was what I had. I had to wrestle with my own insecurity. How could God God call someone as broken and flawed and selfish as me to a position like this? Why, Why couldn't I just stay in the armchair with my remotes and my phone and my Coke Zero? Why can't I just trust Jesus from there? But on the other side of my obedience to his call was the overwhelming sense of his presence, the overwhelming knowledge of his trustworthiness, the overwhelming understanding of his faithfulness. Because when I am unsure, he is still sure. When I'm not faithful, he is still faithful. When I'm not trustworthy, he's still trustworthy. And choosing obedience over convenience brings you to that place where you most rely on God, where you are closer to him, where you can sense his word and calling in your life. I wonder what might be stopping us from stepping out in faith and obedience this year. What might be stopping me? Is it fear? Is it stubbornness? 
Is it simply the inconvenience of having to drop our own plans? But you know, it wasn't convenience that caused God to send his only son, Jesus, to come to earth as a baby. It wasn't convenience that led Jesus into the desert to be tested for 40 days. It wasn't convenience that made him an enemy of the government and the religious institutions of the day. It wasn't because of convenience that Jesus stood trial before Pontius Pilate or before the Sanhedrin. It wasn't convenient for him to be whipped and tortured and beaten. It wasn't convenience that caused Jesus to carry his own cross to the place of his execution. It wasn't for convenience sake that he had his hands and feet nailed to the cross. It wasn't convenience that led him to be mocked, shamed, scorned, laughed at, and spat upon. It wasn't convenience that caused Jesus to die for us, to give his life for us. But it was love. It was faithfulness. It was trust. It was obedience to the will of the Father. It was submission in all his ways to what God the Father had asked of him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you for your gift. Jesus, we thank you for your obedience. Even in the face of all the trials and struggles that you had to go through. God, that Jesus, that you still went through with it. That you still submitted your will to the will of the Father through love and faithfulness and trust and obedience that you went to the cross for us. And God, we thank you too that you don't ask us to do everything. That you don't ask us to do the miracle. You just ask us to step out in faith into what it is that you're calling us and you'll do the rest. You ask us to do what we can so that you can do what only you can. And Lord, this year we cry out for that. We cry out for the willingness to step out in faith, the willingness to step through the inconvenience, Lord God, to follow in the footsteps of many who have gone before us and our our mission partners and our our leaders and, and heroes of the faith throughout the generations and even people in this room who just, through obedience, serve others, love others, stay faithful to you, submit their will to yours. And God, this morning we ask that as we face this year, Lord, that we would be willing to step out, we'd be willing to follow your call, we'd be willing to obey you in every area of our lives, to be faithful day after day, knowing, God, that on the other side of our inconvenience, on the other side of our obedience, there could be breakthrough for us or breakthrough for others. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, God.